Okay, let's do the intro again. Go! Welcome to episode 19 of Game Till 5. This is a voice of Steph, and the next voice you will hear is Nikki. This is my voice. It's a good voice. Hello, Thanks. Nikki. How are Hello. you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to remain peppy because this is the second time that we're going to have to do this intro because I didn't hit record because I'm a lemon. I like that you're being honest with the people. I like it. <laughs> I think they deserve to know why that this might descend into madness very quickly. We've already recorded most of the podcast. In the future, we've gone back to the past to record the bit that we didn't record. We're slightly intoxicated because at this point we're normally at the end of the podcast when everyone's tuned out. But now you get to hear us like this. Yeah. So we're slightly insane and I'm slightly angry. <laughs> I like that you explained it a bit like you were Doc Brown in Back to the Future. You're like, we're from the past, but also from the future, but also here. I don't know anymore. <laughs> the first segment that we're going to kick ourselves off with is Nikki's News. <laughs> so for Nikki's News, eventually we're going to have a drop. Yeah. Now it's, it's... you get me doing this. <laughs> it's Nikki's News tab. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Yeah, but we're going to do that in the future, but that's uh, that's what we get for now. So, Nikki's News, which also sounds like Nikki's Nudes. It's not the first time I've made that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. But really, it's Nikki's News, not Nudes. Bob so, Bob. my news this week is... Uh, we've uploaded a few of our old podcasts on YouTube. If you haven't listened to some of them and you prefer listening to things like YouTube, then... Some of them on there, they'll be coming, they'll all hopefully be uploaded on there soon. If you haven't listened to them, or if you have, either way, subscribe to our YouTube channel because we need the love hmm. more than ever. We do. We need that also, gratification. Our old streams are also on YouTube, or they will be in the future. Stardew Part 2 with the Lizard Queen. And I realise, Steph, your character is actually called Blue Bitch. I've listened back. Oh, really? <laughs> so that's that... what you decided to name her in your head. Oh, So, good. Lizard Queen, yeah. You, you said at the beginning, I'm going to call her Blue Bitch. You didn't, but I'm not letting you forget that. Right. So if you want to see the adventures of Lizard Queen and Blue Bitch, uh, go on YouTube. Our part two will be uploaded soon. Hopefully future Nikki will do that. And also, if you like horror games, I also finished off Blair Witch. Uh, so that part two will be on there. It was a terrible stream, not because I didn't do a great job, but because it was traumatising, exhausting, the game glitched on me at one point. The ending of the game was incredibly fucking terrifying. And I was having a bit of a breakdown. Other things happened. Everyone who was there was sad. And I'm sorry. It was a lot. It was a lot to handle. You did... Steph was there. I was she there helped. trying to provide emotional support and break some of the tension by mentioning... It was... I don't know what. Yeah. But... It was, it was yeah. a difficult, difficult time. But we all got through it together. I haven't played a horror game since. Fair enough. <laughs> and I never will again. No, I will. Um, I will hopefully be playing some soon. So Perfect. if, you know, keep an eye on our Twitch and everything and you can you can join us there. Um, also, for our last bit of news is the fact that a while ago we put some polls out to get some feedback from all of you. And for some reason, I added breakfast as a poll option 
for things that we could do in the future. You were trying it was to be a amazing. Joke. Yeah. It was a joke. I said, would you like to hear more about our breakfast and what we think of Brexit? And I decided to put breakfast as an option. And you all picked it, so breakfast time is coming. Uh, we're not going to do Brexit time. I don't feel like we need that in our lives. Well, we our opinion know. on Brexit is never going to change. It's always just going to be, it's shit. Yes. So, no Brexit time. Nope. None of that for you. No. But breakfast time, that's a happening. So, this this uh, ends the segment of Nikki's news. And on to breakfast. Yes. It is breakfast time. Breakfast! <laughs> oh, it just gets better every time I play it. Nikki, what did you have for breakfast? I had honey and yogurt. Good. (laughs) That was good a second time. Unfortunately, that wasn't my first reaction to that, but it was pretty much the same. Your first reaction was more just, what is that pan noise? Is that you beating a pan in the background? I enjoyed it because I I still picture you just stood there just banging a pan and Max from Got to Five shouting breakfast. I still have you've the pan. Still, you've still got the pan. Um, one thing that everybody missed from the first past recording that we didn't record was you saying breakfast. So let's put that in there. Oh, thanks. Breakfast! <laughs> Sorry for your ears. That actually hurt my ears. I regret that. Yeah, I might just cut that out. You'll never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I cut that version because it made me sound a bit like a yip-yip alien from <laughs> Sesame Street. You sound great. I would have been interested to hear how that would have sounded. I mean, instead of Max yelling breakfast where he yells it, it would have been that. That's the only difference. Breakfast. That was quite nightmarish, I think, Mm. if you did it that way. So maybe I'm glad you didn't. Thanks. I aim to please with my drops. Steph's already said we're probably not going to do that again. I think we can all agree that we're done with breakfast time. I hope you're all happy. You can't say that we never give you what you want. Yeah, I made you a drop. It took me a while. Nobody likes it. That's the end of it. Right, on to a more professional drop. And the start of our episode? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) What are you buying? How about a game of lucky hit? The professional one is much better. But also a joke. That was a fact that came out for you, Nikki. Um, That the original top five drop was also a joke drop, but we loved it and it was well done compared to my ones. So we kept it. Nice. I'm glad we did. Yeah. Um, If you have never listened to the podcast before, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of how it works. Um, We have top five themes. They're all based on video games. Uh, I have a top five. Nikki has a top five. We don't know what it is. We're going to talk about it. End of discussion. The topic of this week's, because I don't think we've mentioned it yet, is top five most influential games. Yeah. So this is a bit of a different one this week, mostly because we aren't... This is also going to... Like, this is our opinion. Obviously, we've picked these games. We've hand-picked them. But there's obviously going to be fact behind it because we're not just going to say this is a game that influenced us. This is a game that could have influenced the games industry. could have influenced anything. 
you know, but mostly the games industry. And anyway, big or small, it's something that we've decided that this game has impacted in some kind of way. Yeah, I think that's a good description. So sometimes, because we don't know each other's top fives, we sometimes have crossovers. And when that happens, this is played. Oh, thank you. He doesn't normally say thank you. We don't say thank you. Yeah, we definitely don't say thank you. (laughs) I put the wrong drop in. It was a busy day with breakfast. All right, this is why we're not doing breakfast again, because it causes too many fucking issues. But I'm really aggressive today. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're not aggressive today. You're aggressive because you forgot to click record earlier, but it's fine. Yeah, she's not better. (laughs) So am I starting this week, Nikki? You are starting this week. Good. This is my number five, and my number five is Braid. Now, Braid is an indie game that was released in 2008 on the Xbox Live arcade service. Uh, it was created by a, not by a man named Jonathan Blow, which is an impressive name. <laughs> um, I'm jealous of that name. I, I wish that was my name. Right? It's It just sounds powerful. The game is a puzzle platformer, but the main mechanic is a time manipulation, uh, which is pretty cool. And the main synopsis is that the protagonist, Tim, attempts to rescue princess from a monster. Um, but during the game, it gets a little bit more deep and there are like some text-based kind of things that reveal that there's a lot more narrative depth and give a bit more clue about Tim's contemplations about what he's doing and motivations for trying to save the princess. It's it's not just, you think you start off with this normal, just kind of, oh, it's a Mario-esque saving a princess from some stuff. But actually, there's a lot more thought and stuff behind it. It's quite a clever game and I think some of it goes over my head. Um, but what I think for me is the most influential part of this game is that during the time that it came out, it was mostly big budget AAA kind of games and there wasn't really an indie market and when there was, it's not huge. They didn't really make much impact. Whereas when Braid came out, it kind of kicked off that revolution that happened to the point today where there are so many indie games. Like we are flooded with indie games now. Yeah, definitely like back then, indie games were not something that you necessarily saw on like all of the game stores. Yeah. It It was was like, especially, it was just not, something you saw as much i think yeah that's that's a good good point yeah it was rare that you would find them more than now where they've got their own section in most of the well it's hard to even like really like determine them anymore to be honest yeah like it's 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 kind of hard to know if that's an indie game that's that's one made by like a small developer Uh, obviously like you know the big ones obviously but yeah it's it's definitely like yeah it's quite revolutionary really i guess yeah, definitely. And actually, that brings up a good point. Like, now there are even subsections of indie games. Like, there's a there's an area called AAA indie and that kind of thing. So that's in itself is a new thing to come out of what we call indie and what we compared it to back then. Um, yeah. But I think it all kind of started off with Braid was one of those big games. And I think Braid was one of the first ones that kicked off that. Can games be art? Are they an art form as well? Um, which I think Jonathan Blow has quite a few things to say about it, but um, you can see him on a documentary called The Indie Game, The Movie, which is really good. It also features uh, the guys who made Super Meat Boy and Fez. Um, It's really good. I think it's on Netflix. It's definitely worth watching if you've not. Um, It's just really good at highlighting the passion that goes into making these video games and how much effort it takes to make a video game when you're just one person who just wants yeah. to make something that they want to make. Which is incredible, really. Yeah, definitely. Which kind of leads me on to my facts for this game. 
Uh, Jonathan spent three years in development making this game and put about two thousand or two hundred thousand dollars, sorry, of his own money into it. Uh, this mostly went to his finding his artist. Uh, David Hellman um, and living expensive because obviously it was just him uh, making this game and living which he came up with the concept while on a trip to Thailand and that's all the fact I have about that it's just he was in Thailand he had an idea for a game he went on holiday yeah and thought of an idea I tried <laughs> to find more stuff about that but I just couldn't. Just nothing. Nothing else expanded on. He went to Thailand. He had I like I like to think that he was sat in like a, a signing or something or some kind of convention and someone was like, so tell us how, how you came up with this idea. And he just went, okay, I'm with it in Thailand. And everyone's just like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, cool. And many people have asked him since and he's just gone, yeah, Thailand. Thailand. <laughs> Never Love will it. expand. Never. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, Braid, although not one of my favourite games, um, and I, I think mostly because I'm just not very good at it, um, so it's more just my personal thing, it definitely needs mentioning because I think for how many indie games I like and I think I talk about on the podcast, this is what kind of kicked off me having those games. So I've definitely yeah. got to tip my hat to it, for sure. And it's it's definitely something that, yeah, like I, I didn't really think about when it came to indie games and the fact that it's transitioned the way it has into which now you really don't know, unless you've researched the game you're playing, whether it is technically a, an indie game or small developer or, or whatnot, um, which I think is really, really nice because it, the world is a lot more open to yeah. it. And I think places like the PlayStation Store and the Xbox Store, I think at one point there used to be a big divide between like the AAA... And now I feel like everything is just has its own little place in the world. Just yeah, beautiful. it's nice. I think also that brings up a point. I think um, tools and stuff for making video games are a lot more available because of these kind of things. Like more people are willing to sit at home and try stuff in their bedrooms um, to try and make these yeah. games, which is cool. It's nice to see. Yes. Uh, yeah, and that's my number five. Cool. Good number five. Thanks. My number five is one that is probably predictable. I've mentioned it before once or twice, but not in this scope. Uh, and I promise you that it's the only one that I would say is that predictable on my list. So I'll get it out of the way All right. to begin with, which is Star Wars Knights of the Republic, or sometimes just known as KOTOR. It's an RPG set in the Star Wars universe and developed by Bioware and published by LucasArts. So... In July 2000, Bioware basically announced they were working with LucasArts to create a Star Wars role-playing game for the PC and next-generation consoles. And kind of what stuck KOTOR apart in this regard is the fact that it was really one of the first successful console RPGs that was a Western game. Uh, like, Because JRPGs had already been on consoles and it wasn't like a, a big thing, but I think it was one of the first successful ones on console alongside Morrowind which I, I haven't got in my list but I thought it was obviously worth mentioning because it wasn't just KOTOR but they just did it very well um, it kind of created the first Bioware model of single player characters with uh, like chatty party members and just solidified the Bioware RPG model and just successfully transitioned to the sort of PC style of RPGs onto a console and as I said before like it wasn't really seen with Western style RPGs at this point and they did well, like there was, I, I can fault it's one of my favourite games of all time. And even the combat wasn't too bad. I think yeah. the combat was actually quite good considering it was like a 3D combat within like a, a very like narrative heavy RPG. It just, it just worked really well. And 
And yeah, I mean, I won't I won't go too much into the story because obviously it's it's clearly based in the Star Wars universe. And the story is amazing. And one of the other reasons why I want to mention the story is because it's an amazing plot twist at the end of the game. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you this, but (laughs) I think it was very it was incredibly cinematic. (laughs) Well, what happens is no, I'm not I'm not going to do that, but. (laughs) <laughs> has an amazing plot twist. It's an incredibly cinematic game. And, I mean, yeah, the, the reason is really is just because it was just an incredibly successful console-based RPG, one of the first. It did yeah. it well. And yeah. it, it, it led the way to other Bioware games, which is obviously an incredibly uh, successful thing. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> find the word there. there we go. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a studio, and the games that followed it were also incredibly successful. And it really just kind of laid the framework for that. And... And yeah, that that's really the only reason why I picked it. To be honest, it I tried to stop myself because everyone knows what I'm like with Bioware. I'm just like, yeah, anything they do is amazing. Yeah, but they did well. They did very very well. And I played it on the original Xbox nice. when I was very young. Yeah, and it it made an impression on me. And I'm as I found out, it made an impression on the world too. So that's mm-hmm. nice. Well, that's always good. It's always nice to reconfirm why you like a video game. It's not a game that I've ever had a proper chance to play, and I've always wanted to. I think I played the MMO version, but it wasn't, obviously, up to scratch. Mm. But I have to say, like, I think for this game, it seems to be one of the most loved Star Wars games. Oh, yeah. And obviously there are so many Star Wars games, and a few before this, and obviously so many after this, but this one does stand out in lists a lot. So I think in terms of what people want in a Star Wars game, this one always kind of rates quite highly. It was good because it wasn't trying too hard. It wasn't going off of the films. It wasn't yeah. trying to be something or, you know, be just a copy of something. It was its own universe. It was its own storyline and world. And obviously, like, some yeah, some of the worlds and, like, the species. But it just, it felt so genuine. They weren't, they weren't playing on, you know, like, these days, I think, games will just be like, yeah, everyone loves it, let's put that in there. It just felt like it was just a genuine game that was just in that world. It wasn't trying so hard to be a Star Wars game. Yeah. And I loved that because I just, I remember when I picked it up and I, I played it, I was just like, this is just, I love Star Wars and now I can just be in the Star Wars universe. And this is a new story and this is a new thing and new shit's going to go down. And it did because, as I said, great plot twist. So. <laughs> I'm so excited to play this game to find out what the plot well, twist is. you can get it, you can get it on, I think I've, I own it, I think on the Android store, maybe, I don't know if you, Interesting. you have Android, you don't have iPhone, so you can go buy it now. I can get that thing. That's very cool. I like it. It's yeah, I think it does well as well in, in our time now. Mm. I mean it, it some games don't necessarily travel well from past to future, but I feel like this one this one is still a good RPG today. Nice. My facts I've got. Oh yeah, I forgot about your facts. Uh, apparently a full copy of the voice script fills up ten five inch binders, so there's a lot of voice dialogue which is good for me. I like a bit of voice dialogue. That's one nice. thing about Bioware games is there's a lot of talking. You don't like that, then Sorry. maybe just not the game <laughs> for you. Go to the dark side or renegade. Then you won't have to talk to people as I, much. Yeah, and just punch people in the face. Just punch them in the face. Yep. Yeah. Um, also, one of the coolest things I thought about the game was that a lot of the dialogue was spoken in English. However, uh, apparently a tenth of the script was written in Huttese, uh, which is you know just picture Jabba the Hutt speaking, and you just think, wow, beautiful. What a beautiful a, voice. What I a love lovely more of that. language that can be. <laughs> um, but apparently the one thing I loved about this was that 
you know, obviously the voice actors would have had to speak this alien dialogue, which would have been weird for them. Um, but mm. the person that, that had to, to teach them had said that, you know, it's difficult to teach this language to people. And most of the time he would have to just stand in front of the actors and speak it to them or shout. I like to think shout. I th- yeah, I hope shout. I also hope dressed as Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. But see, not... Yeah, it, it, this is the thing, like... It's not. It's weird. I think Hutties from what I know of the Star Wars universe, because a lot of the people they weren't Jabba. They were just normal people. But it's such oh. a weird language. It is such a. a it's quite an aggressive. But when you play the game, like which you're going to do eventually, yeah. Because otherwise we can't be friends. You'll you'll hear it and you'll be like, well, wow, that's that's. Oh, it's just crazy. I think it's this is this whole entire language. It's quite a blobby language. Does Very blobby. Make, yeah, that description. Yeah, makes blobby. Sense. That's a good description word. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's cool, and I just like to picture this guy shouting angry hutties at people. Yeah, it's a good image. Yeah. I'd like to be paid for that. I mean, I've got one more fact, and that is just the fact that uh, the game just did really well on release. It sold out within four days on shelves, which amounted to two hundred fifty thousand sales during that period. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it was the console's fastest ever seller at the time of its launch. So it did well. Everyone else liked it. And paved the way to other console Western RPGs. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. My number five. <laughs> nice. Um, I don't no, know where a, we are. Future past. What happened? I'm stuck. What year is this? Um, <laughs> it's good. It's a good number five. It's not something I was expecting at all. Um, mm-hmm. But when you've explained yourself, it makes sense. Totally makes sense. Especially for I you. Think, it, it, yeah. Even though it is a little personal to you, it also makes sense because it did impact stuff and uh I one think, of your favorite yeah. studios especially like you know it made a For it sure. made a dent and i think with influential games we can all agree there's a fuck ton pretty there much is. a lot of almost every game could be influential in its own way goose game oh, goat yeah. simulator like they can all in their own way anything can be influential it's really going to be our opinion on what ones we pick and what ones we put forward don't come at us if we don't pick one that you like it was very difficult. I have like a list of 20 games that I could have put on this list, but I just, you know, choices yeah. were made. Yeah. That was that. <laughs> Decisions happened and we yeah. all have to live with them. <laughs> I like it. Um, So my number four is uh, probably again going to be in the same line as yours. Not the most obvious one is The Last of Us. Probably the most modern mention that I'm going to talk about and probably one that people won't like. I like it. I'm very happy with this. Yeah. That's why I did it. For Nikki's approval and not your (laughs) bitches. Um, (laughs) No need to get aggressive. We all like The Last of Us. (laughs) I'm just preempting anger that won't happen. Um, Everyone likes The Last of Us. It was great. Um, (laughs) So I put this on the list because I think it is currently shaping games in the future. I think it's doing its work now. I think it's becoming influential and it's doing what it wants to do now. It won a butt ton of awards. Uh, so it's, you know, it's not just me that thinks this it is like a, it's got an award for that, you know. Um, she's she's picking an influencer that's like a future influencer because this whole episode has been about the future and the past. Yeah, see, I, this is why I didn't record this part of the episode before because I just wanted to uh, blow your tiny minds. We needed to understand the connections. Yes, all the connections. I've weaved my tangled web <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it was a very influential game in terms of how Naughty Dog decided to handle the characters in this game. Uh, obviously, the story is well written, but obviously there has been other games before it with just as good quality writing in them. 
But I think that the way that it did the characters and the character interactions with each other and their stories felt a lot more real, felt a lot more, I don't know, rounded. They didn't feel like video game characters. They felt more like ones you'd find in a book or a script or something that people would kind of naturally put together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, most gamers know that there are really good stories and really well-written characters in video games. But I think outside of our little bubble, not many people kind of connect to those two things. Um, and I think this was one of the first games that many non-gamers that I know kind of paid attention to that game and thought about, oh yeah, that's actually making a difference. That's that's been a really good one, right? And you're like, yeah, that's it's great. It's got really good character stuff. It's making so many different strides in character development that we've not had before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, I think a really good point as well is the fact that it's quite an action game. So it's not necessarily like a strong narrative game that you can just, you automatically know, oh, hey, that's like a movie game or how this focuses on this or it, you know, it has action elements, you know, it has zombies in it. And, you know, that may be things that endear other people into it and maybe don't realise that it's a very narrative, amazing game. Yeah. And I think having that contrast and made people realise, oh, actually, hey, you can have both. Yeah. And I liked that. Definitely. And I think, like you said, like the gameplay is good. It's obviously not the most groundbreaking gameplay or mechanics in the world, but it's very polished. It's very good at doing, you know, what it wants to do. But I think you kind of focus more on the characters, which, you know, for a zombie game isn't something that you naturally think of. Like, I don't think at any point did I really think, oh, God, they need to solve these clickers. They have to work on it. It was mostly just all about the relationship between uh, Ellie and Joel. Like, you don't really focus on clickers, which is weird because normally that's, you know, the main thing. They've created this really cool world with this really cool apocalyptic kind of thing that's happening but it they're kind of just using it as a background piece you know what I which mean? i think is incredibly clever and skillful mm. for them to do that because yeah. it's not you know it's not in most games like things like that are like the focus like the enemy the thing that's you know that's trying to kill you is the focus of the game whereas in this it's almost like a sideline to what's actually happening and a lot of like the social emotional and, and personal things are happening and that's kind of just happening you know like you're having a conversation just like for god's sake zombies not right now. Yeah, I'm trying to get deep here. I'm trying to have a conversation, which is nice because, <laughs> although I say it like that, it it doesn't, you know, neither one of them outweighs the other, almost. It, yeah. It's perfect, like, in its own little harmonious bubble of Last of Us. <laughs> I like it. It does work. Um, so facts. Um, one of my facts is, uh, at one point during the game's development, Naughty Dog was put under some serious pressure to change Ellie's positioning from the front of the cover art to the background of the cover art. Um, it suggested that this was because of the misconception that if you have a female character on the cover, it won't sell very well, or it will sell less. Um, which is in itself is a kick in the teeth. Um, but <laughs> very Naughty- insulting. Right? But Naughty Dog refused. They were just like, no, this makes sense. And obviously they knew how powerful she was as a character because now they're, like, she's her, the main guy in the next one sorry for spoilers she's but, you know <laughs> yeah yeah she's a badass and there's no denying it and i'm very glad they put her on the front yeah like i said and i'm excited to see what they do with her in the second one that comes out in february yeah. for sure um yeah. talking of ellie she drops more f-bombs than any other character she says fuck 53 times to be precise she is my spirit animal forever <laughs> and always yeah she's what we're talking about fuck this she's a very unique character very something very different 
that you wouldn't expect. You know, you you think you put like a twelve year old girl in a game and they'd be a certain way, but Ellie just like defies all of the stereotypes, which I love. Yeah. Again, it's just about that character writing and that presentation of of how she is. Um, and my last and favorite fact is that the game contains a number on a pest control poster. However, this is actually a real life sex hotline, which I don't want to test, but I kind of do. But I also would like somebody to test this for me and let me know. Somebody find that and ring it and just let us know. So yeah, you know, experiment for us. for us. Because mostly because I can't be bothered to find this poster in the game. Just to find just them. We just, it's our morbid curiosity. We just want to know yeah. if it's still live, if it's still going, how are they doing? Yeah, you know. What kind of sex of hotline is it? Yeah. A zombie hotline? Oh, what kind of kids? Have some weird Do you have thing for zombies? Yeah, that'd be nice. Yes. <laughs> that um, wouldn't yeah. be nice. What are you saying? You hate zombies. Oh, this is true. It's my worst nightmare. I don't know how you got through this game. <laughs> Who are you? It is a weird one, Last of Us. is The zombie, it doesn't trigger my terrified zombie thing. I think, again, because it co- like concentrates on um, the two main characters rather than the zombies. I can kind of get over it a bit. And also, yeah. I don't know, humans in this are just as shitty and I can just kind of point my hate towards them. I think That's true. Zombies are usually nice and sparingly in this game so they don't freak me out as much. Oh, yes, David. David in that game. I can do right. without. I'd rather take on ten clickers than that creepy-ass guy. Exactly. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but yeah, that's my number four. Nice. It was a good number four. Thanks. I very much appreciate it. It's one of my favourite games of all time. I'm very shocked that it made your list, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I don't think we've ever spoken about the game as a whole. We've just spoken no. about characters. So this was my chance. Good job. Thanks. Are we doing my number four now? Yeah. Let's do your number four. So that was my number four. Let's do your number four. This is my number four. My number four might be a crossover. I'm my prepare. number four is Doom. Oh! <laughs> thank you! He's saying thank you. He's not saying thank you. He's saying fuck you. Okay. Um... <laughs> Well, you cleared that one up. Um, well, this yeah, is so my what... number three, I'll have you know. So it was going to be right. my next one. Well, that's okay. You can just mention... I don't have any backups, but if you want to like, mention an honourable mention and talk about that, you can just do that. Sure. We'll also talk about this together, if you like. So you have permission to interrupt me. All right. Thanks. At points. So, Doom, <laughs> for anyone that's been missing off the face of the earth for the past time Mm. uh is a first person shooter game developed by id software for ms dos it was released in december 10th 1993 i was three nice so now you know how old i am (laughs) do the math (laughs) how old we are uh we're old but uh it is thought to be one of the most significant games in video game history and it's frequently referred to as one of the greatest games of all time uh, along with its predecessor, Wolfenstein 3D, Doom helped define the SPS genre. Genre? I can't speak now. English! Define the <laughs> FPS genre. Sorry, it's a really hard word to say quickly, Just FPS. FPS genre. <laughs> yeah, it's not and the it, Yeah. It inspired many, numerous similar games after this point. So... Yeah, it was just incredibly influential in that regard for the fact that it really was one of the first. People may deny that, but it was one of the first, most first successful as well. Uh, and I think the the best thing about it, which is what I loved reading, was the fact that apparently most FPS games after Doom were just referred to as Doom clones as opposed to like first person shooters. 
Yeah. Which I just thought was funny because the creators of Demon must have just been like, ha, this is our genre. This is ours now. Our playground. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the term was kind of popular before, but then after 1996, uh, it was obviously gra- uh, replaced by the first person shooter instead of Doom clones because that's kind of silly, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine forever having to call every like FPS the Doom clone number yeah. five. And to be honest, a lot of these games afterwards were actually clones. Like, they weren't really good games. Yeah, they, they were just games. Yeah, they were just games trying to be Doom. Um, in actual Doom's game, there's nothing that you would look at now and say there's anything really special about it. Like, you're a space, machi- space machine. You're not a space machine. <laughs> space machine. <laughs> you're a space marine. You're space known machine as Doom. marine. <laughs> you're known as Doom guy. Uh, Doom they just, guy. Like, they just like to put Doom in front of all these words associated with the game. Yeah, you're Doom guy, and you fight your way through hordes of invading demons from hell. Again, doesn't seem like too crazy, but I guess it was quasi crazy, crazy. Cool oh, English. <laughs> I'm doing so well right now. Quasi demons. Quasi um, cupcakes. But back in 1993, apparently demons were were you know were cool. That was a big so, deal. Yeah, there were ten types of monsters, but some of these did include other things in demons like possessed humans and imps and red floating caco demons i still don't know what a caco demon is but uh, yeah i can picture is that the ones they're just the floating heads i think so but i also read it's cacao like chocolate like cacao bean yeah which is probably not what it is um and you kind of just go through these levels um and shoot shit that's really the basis of Sorry. Doom. It sounded like you said shoo shit. Like you just go through shooing things away. Yeah. Like shoo. I mean, get out of here, you silly I guess demon. If shooting it in the face is shooing it, then yeah. So, you shoo a lot of demons. It's a form of shooing, I guess. Murder. Um, I thought about putting Wolfenstein 3D in here, but I never played that, whereas I did play Doom. So not no, when I was three. No. Don't lock my parents away just yet. I was probably a little bit older when I played it, but not that much older. No, I don't think that much older. To be fair, I know that it was a scary game in its time because it was, uh, because there wasn't anything like it to kind of compare it to. But now you look at it and you're like, if I was ever scared of this, what was wrong with me? But also, I think compared to now horror-y kind of games or stuff like that, I can deal with Doom. I can't deal with like what you've been playing at all. I'm the biggest wimp, mm. which is why I'm not looking forward to anything horror-related episodes. But still, like, just for Doom, you can kind of cope with it because it's just blob men running towards you. And yes, you can't then, look up and down, mm. so... But then at the time, it was a bit scary. And I remember it being scary. It felt very atmospheric. I look at it now and I'm like, no, not even a little bit. <laughs> but, like, back then, like, when that's all that you've... It's just what you're used to, right? Like, it's what... Because back then, if you played something like The Blair Witch, your brain would have just exploded so yeah that's fair it was scary for back then i remember finding it slightly daunting it was a little bit like it was one of those great games where like you turn a corner and it's just like oh god and there'll be like a a chocolate demon just there like (laughs) it's scary scary shit yeah i think chocolate demons are scary but do you have anything to add um not really you've kind of said it i mean you've mentioned wolfenstein 3d which i agree with it was kind of a case of obviously wolfenstein 2d started it but I feel like Doom, for me, took what Wolfenstein did and then ran with it and kind of took that and dialed everything up to 11. 
and with yeah. like gore and like you said atmosphere and general fun and i think the pace of this game is so different from anything else it's so like intense all the time like you said you turn a corner and there's like another wave of demons and then you clear them and then you turn another corner and there's another wave of demons like you're never really good you know what i mean yeah. it's an intense game uh, which is the good kind of thing, and it's like, and I think they've managed to keep that up until, you know, the most recent ones. Uh, that that fast-paced kind of unrelenting thing that you get from Doom, I think they've managed to keep. Yeah, and it did. To be honest, like it did really well, and I think that's why, because I think one of the main things about this top five is it's not even necessarily going to be like this was the first game that ever did this. It's kind of one of those things where it's the first game that anybody kind of caught everybody's eye. So like yeah. apparently. The first sort of episode of the game was comprised of only nine levels, but it was distributed freely as shareware. And apparently it was played by an estimated 15 to 20 million people within like two years, which is insane at that point in time. Like it was yeah. just so readily available for people and everyone was just so into it. Everyone was just like, this is crazy. Like, this is amazing. Uh, and so it's one of those things where it's like, I feel bad not to like have other ones that maybe were like the first ever, but it's like, it's almost like the first ever that did it really, really well. Maybe. Yeah, the the kind of polished thing yeah. side of it. And I think, you know, it was the popularisation of them that it kind of took. And uh, the, I think as well, you kind of have to nod to, like, the type of, like, theme. Like you said, it's all, like, demons and things like that that you're kind of doing. It's got its own little lore with the space machine. Like, space machines! I did it as well! <laughs> the space marines. We're rewriting Doom. <laughs> it's a bit got space machines and chocolate monsters. <laughs> That's just how old we are. We're losing our minds. <laughs> there were space machines and chocolate demons everywhere. This is what they we're going to be like me. when we're in a home together. <laughs> just this and Simpsons quotes, just yelling them. I want some to eat those. If you're ever like, if you're a lot younger than us and you ever go to like a, a retirement home and you just hear like somebody just shouting chocolate demons uh, <laughs> or space machines like down the hallway in like a old people's home room, that'll be us. Yep. Don't worry, it's fine, everything's fine. We still think we're doing the podcast. <laughs> space machines. I hate those damn space machines. <laughs> Newfangled. Um, but yeah, uh, it was good. Have you got any facts? Yeah, I do. I'm going to attempt to speak some German. Whoa. Whoa, Nelly. So, apparently, the game was put on the index of the Bundesbuschbell for Gentil for Handy. I haven't said that right, Skriften... On the 31st of May 1994, which means the game cannot be advertised, sold, rented, or otherwise given to minors. This was in Germany, I think. Yeah. Uh, but on August 31st, 2011, the ban was lifted after Bethesda Softworks, the current owner of ID Software, argued that the game's crude graphics had been surpassed by many modern titles, and as a result, the violence depicted had less of an impact, which is kind of what we were saying. Yeah. How did you like my German? I d- it was impressive. As someone who used to take German but has now forgotten it all other than one useless sentence, it, it was good. Good. I'm glad. I was dreading that this whole episode because I was like, shit, I'm going to say it. I want to say it, but I'm not going to say it well. But I did it. I'll I mean, thank the wine. To my terrible ear, sounded a bit Germanish. To an actual German, maybe you just spoke nonsense good. or something really offensive. <laughs> Apologies if I'm that's really the case. sorry if I've just slaughtered your language. Yeah, it's, we do it for everybody. I went to like so one it's, class. It's not a, so, yeah, yeah. Anything? So on on that note, mm-hmm. on that note, 
apparently Doom was and remains a controversial product due to its high levels of violence, gore and satanic imagery, all those chocolate demons. It has been repeatedly criticised by Christian organisations for its diabolic undertones and prompted fears that virtual reality technology, then in its earliest forms, could be used to simulate extremely realistic killing, which, to be honest, not as... I don't really agree with the killing, but I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Slightly kind of... terrifying. Yeah. Like I'm saying that, but I do believe that now you look at it and it's it's not really that bad. But then I think it was just the fact that back then they were just like fuck. They were like this this is scary. Which I mean now they actually have Doom in VR. So these people, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, it ha- it happened. <laughs> I actually own it. I haven't played it. It's just in my family house. Oh man. To be fair though, like you are killing the demons. It's not like you're the one bringing all the chocolate demons to a party like you no. are trying to get rid of them i think help? i yeah i i don't know it was just a, it was just a sort of following from that really where i think people even just back then were just like this is scary this is yeah. like the beginning of potential virtual reality i mean it wasn't back then obviously because virtual reality was like one of those silly little things that you could put on your head and it wasn't really it was like you could watch like space invaders but um yeah it's uh, I guess it was also one of those games that really people just turned around first off and were just like, fuck, that's that's violent. Yeah. Despite the fact that you couldn't really make anything out. No, but it was. Like, it's the first kind of... Not the first, but one of the first ones to kind of start popularising violence in video games yeah. and that kind of thing. And the imagery and stuff in it, like, like we said at the time, would have been pretty intense. Somewhat disturbing, yeah. Yeah. But hey, that was the past... We've had a lot more weird, fucked up games since then. This is very true. So, my last fact, I don't know if you've got this one, or you've had any of those, was that uh, in a push press... God damn it. What's happening? Are you being taken over by the demon? Is there a chocolate demon filling your mouth with chocolate? Is this why you cannot talk? Be gone, demon! Leave Nikki alone! She doesn't want to eat your chocolate. In a press release dated January 1st, 1993, ID Software wrote that they expected Doom to be the number one cause of decreased productivity in businesses around the world, which is funny. Wow. This prediction came true, at least in one part, because apparently Doom became a major inconvenience to people at workplaces as they would just start downloading it and clogging computer network networks <laughs> with traffic caused by death matches and things like that, which I thought was hilarious because, yep, any game is going to decrease your productivity even if it's like uh, Farmville, it's just gonna happen. Yeah, it it, it does. It's just one of those things. Sooner we accept work. it, yeah, the life will be. <laughs> Give us video should... game breaks. Yeah, let us just play video games and work. I say this, and this is what I did. The this other is day, your job. But... <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's not mine. It's only very um, occasionally I get to play video games for work. Do you have any Doom facts? I do have some Doom facts. And you haven't mentioned any of my facts, which is cool. Oh, weird. We obviously went to a different fact place. Yeah. So, my one of my facts is that the game drew a lot of inspiration from films. Two of the main ones being Alien and The Evil Dead. Uh, the Evil Dead obviously has the connection with the chainsaw that you use in-game. And Aliens was such a big inspiration, even to the point where the game first started its life as a licensed Alien game. Not sure why it never became an alien game and became Doom as we know it, but that's kind of how it started. So they kind of like to take those those bits of inspiration, which I thought was pretty cool. Cool. 
another kind of on the same lines thing is that Doom's sound effects have kind of a life of their own. Because Doom's sounds were on a popular sound effects gallery, and I think that's where they got them, it provided like many of the game's noises that they used. Sounds of doors in Doom have been used over and over in various different shows and other things, and it kind of appears up. Um, but one of them, the howl made by a dying imp, which is often oh. compared to a sick camel, can be traced all the way back to 1962's Lawrence what? of Arabia, in which featured lots of exhausted camels. So because this sound of camels was taken from the movie that was used, and obviously in a sound effects gallery that you can buy. It was used in the 1962 film, and then when the guys were making Doom, they obviously used the same sound effects library and took that noise of exhausted camels and made it into the dying imps slightly. Do you have this sound? I don't, but I will find it for us and post it in Twitter or something. Okay, I was already just trying to find it on YouTube and I failed, so I'll I'll have a dig. And my last fact, and possibly my favourite fact, It is in 1995, due to the popularity of the game and to promote Windows 95, Bill Gates superimposed himself into Doom and killed a demon with a shotgun. What? Were you just not listening or do you just (laughs) not believe my sentence? I I would like to repeat that again, just in my brain. Due to the popularity of the game and also to promote Windows 95, which was coming out that year, Bill Gates superimposed himself into doom and killed a demon with a shotgun that's the best sentence i've yeah. ever heard <laughs> and that's why i wanted you to say it again because it bill was Gates good in doom killing a demon with a shotgun fair enough bill yeah. i would have done the same i think so bill's there taking out those chocolate demons getting on the science machines space why machines. can't people keep promoting things like that that would be a better way of promoting things yeah i'd buy a lot more stuff if people were doing that Oh, that was a good fact. Maybe Thanks. the best fact ever. Wow, that is a compliment from the <laughs> Maybe fact the most read. influential fact. I, was, I don't know what I'm going with there. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated your effort. Yeah, cool. Doom, I stole that from you. I'm sorry. You did. Um, that's okay. I think I won with the fact there. I guess... I don't know what to talk about for my number three. Um... You know what? Actually, I'm going to put my spare in that I wrote and then took it out because I was like, no, oh. this doesn't go. It's also not an honourable mention, so it's probably not going to be as worthy as some of the honourable mentions that I should mention. But I'm going to go with this one anyway. So I thought about putting Overwatch into this list. Say what? For a very personal reason over the, the game world reason. And then I decided that it should be all game related, so I took it out. But initially, this was my thought process, and I'm going to explain why. Um, I think for me, this made a very personal impact. It was probably my main introduction to multiplayer games online in recent years. Before that, my experience had mostly been MMOs and things like that. I think this was probably the first console game that I really got into that was online multiplayer, and I played a lot with you. Um, I also think I could argue that it did make a bit of an impact on the game world i know especially within the industry and around my uh work specifically in the ux and ui kind of area that we often get asked to reference overwatch and we often just reference overwatch's celebratory moments because it does that really well like blizzard are really good at 
kind of creating really nice celebratory moments in their games and overwatch is one of the nice ones it's also with all the big buzz around loot boxes at the moment it's one of the games that keeps getting mentioned about loot boxes so again in the future it's going to be interesting to see how overwatch's loot box system gets featured in the news and in how games are made later uh on another negative side it kills off a lot of games (laughs) <laughs> like Overwatch like killed Battleborn, Gigantic, Lawbreakers. Um, I mean, that's probably influential in a negative way, but I guess yeah. you could still say it's influential, right? Yeah. I didn't say this was a good game or a <laughs> <laughs> or a well received game, but it's made an impact, I think. And obviously the Overwatch yeah. League is big, like Blizzard at the moment aren't doing very well because I could, yeah, to be honest, the more the you explain recently. it I can't deny its influence. Like when you say like yeah overwatch league it's taken esports like pretty far like i'd say that before overwatch for me i didn't really know esports was a thing to be honest you didn't pay attention to many esports well i guess it was maybe that it just wasn't in my periphery like i just didn't even really know that it existed until overwatch came out in the way that i was kind of like oh shit like people actually like do this as like a competition like a sport yeah, so. I guess to be fair, if you're not into things like League of Legends or mm. you're never into any of the fighting games, like, yeah, esports aren't something you pay much attention to if you don't, you know, follow either of them. And like you said, if you started to play Overwatch and then that became the thing, then that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to throw that in there. I don't have any facts about oh, yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I think. Mention, but I, threw it in. I mean, I stole your your number four my good one i was gonna have wherever we are so yeah (laughs) i think you made some good points considering i'm gonna let it happen sweet thanks don't steal my number two i probably will you see where i'm going with my list well wait so what number is Number three. This should be number three for you, right? Because that this was my number, number three, three for me. Yeah, this is yes. number three. Okay, so yeah, Overwatch replaced my number three, which was Doom. So, Nikki, what is your number three? <laughs> my number three is Chrono Trigger. Oh, interesting. Didn't know you played Chrono Trigger. I did when I was very young and impressionable. And it <laughs> stuck with me ever since. <laughs> uh, Chrono Trigger, for anyone that doesn't know, is an RPG. Again, I have actually, this is the second one I mentioned now. Uh, developed and published by Square, who later became Square Enix. I had to do some research for that because I got confused. I thought I just missed out the word Enix. They were only Square at this point. Uh, it was made for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in 1995 and was the first in the Chrono series. So Chrono Trigger was it was a critical success at the time, a commercial success as well. And it's frequently cited as one of the greatest video games of all time. And it's one of my favourite of all time also, because that's why it's in the list. Uh, it was known to be quite revolutionary, including its multiple endings, plot-related side quests, focusing on character development, unique battle system, and detailed graphics. I thought it was beautiful when I first played it as a young'un. Yeah. I had played other RPGs by this point, and I think for me, Chrono Trigger was the one that really stood out. And upon kind of researching it, I realised that it did do a lot of things for RPGs at that point. Not that there hadn't already been loads of good shit that had already happened. Things like Final Fantasy had already, like Final Fantasy, the original one had already been out by this point. But I think for me, I picked it because the story and what they did was just really, really good. It does include a distinct gameplay trait of time travel, which is something that wasn't really done this early on, I would say in games. like. 
I think it was quite a brave move to pick a storyline which included time travel and actually incorporate it into the game. Um, but they did it well and you basically had like access to seven areas of the game's world history and your past actions affected future events which is really really cool and I just think that was quite before its time hmm. and something that yeah was just kind of mad really think about it back then and I think just the story was quite gripping uh, they they just did really well with the story to be honest I think that's probably one of the main things about it it didn't really do sort of much else that wasn't already happening with RPGs I think it was just known mostly for the fact that it also, oh, I was going to say as well, another little fact on there, just to continue on, it was, um, it was, um, it coined, because it wasn't the first one to do this, but it coined the term New Game Plus. That's interesting. So, didn't do it first, but um, apparently that's where that, that sort of term name arised, which is cool, because once you finished it, you could basically just like, you know, do it again. Yeah. Um, right. In sort of different ways. So yeah, I, I just I just adored it. I just thought it was an amazing RPG, and I just think it really stood out from other RPGs at that time. Yeah. And that came before, just because it had such an amazing storyline, something so unique. And you know, time travel is something that's used quite a lot now in video games. Mm. And, you know, I think to, to try and tackle it back then and succeed was just quite revolutionary, really. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of those RPGs that you think about and you think that they started it kind of thing rather than, oh, just another one in the JRPG list. Yeah. And I feel kind of strange to just literally bring it in just because it did something kind of different in the story, but I am. I think, to (laughs) to be fair, I think it's one of those games that I know musically gets mentioned oh, yeah. a lot and uh, general games like for RPGs gets mentioned all the time but it's obviously not as high profile as some of the games like Final Fantasy and stuff but I know a lot of gamers that will cite it as one of their like favorites or if we're talking about RPGs that's one of their go-to so I think it's fair to kind of include it in the um in the influential yeah, I think games for sure. Graphically as well I think that everyone praises it for how good it looks yeah at the time and you get back to it now and you're actually like yeah this actually looked really good considering the era that it was made in and yeah i just think it was it was pretty special and it was clever it was very clever and i think the fact that they did try and and do something quite out there worked for them and there was dinosaurs so and robots yeah i mean we love a good robot dinosaur yeah exactly so kind of a fact but just gonna give you general information about why the game was so good and that's because chrono trigger basically was produced and conceived by Horonobu Sakaguchi, producer and creator of the Final Fantasy series, Yuji Hari, writer, game designer, and creator of the Dragon Quest series, and Akira Toriyama, character, uh, creator of the Dragon Ball manga series. So, oh, cool. all three very all cool dragons. people. Yeah, that's a really um, intense group right there. Created this game. So, you're kind of like, of course it's good. Of course it's freaking good. Yeah. So, and they also apparently traveled to the United States to research computer game graphics. Uh, and at this point they decided to create something that no one had done before and that was Chrono Trigger very cool and I agree no one had really done it before and that's why it's my number three but I've got more facts I'm not stopping there keep going so actually I'm just going to use one fact to be honest and that is the best fact I've ever told which is I don't know if you've played this game have you played this game? no not really okay there's a character called Robo and there's a song, as you know, the songs in Chrono Trigger, as you've heard, are amazing. Great soundtrack, one of my favourite of all time. There's a song about a character called Robo. And this song sounds a lot like Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. 
amazing a fucking lot if you listen to it you'll be like yeah that's like the same starts off kind of not really and then it gets into it and you're just like yep i've been i've been rickrolled but uh Grand Trigger was obviously made in japan in the early 90s and people started to question hmm would the composer have heard of rick astley is this is this possible like rick astley wasn't really that big he became a meme a lot later in life yeah unless you were like a rick astley fan super into it at the time yeah, like, would you have really known? Obviously, the composers, I don't think, went to America at this point. So Japan, I, I can't imagine these people would have been Rick Astley fans. No. This this debate went on for a long time. Everyone was just like, this is fucking... The, the composer of this tune clearly liked Rick Astley and decided that Robo was going to have this theme song. Yeah. But in, apparently in 2008, the answer was finally revealed. What and was uh, the Chrono Trigger composer was a man named Yasunori Mitsuda who I already mentioned and he did go to America hmm it deepens anyway apparently <laughs> during an interview someone finally asked him about this song yeah. and apparently he was played Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley and asked if he'd heard it before Mitsuda confirmed that he had not ever heard the song until that moment and so everyone was just like what this song came out in 1987 yeah. and everyone's like hmm how did he know the Brick Astley tune? And everyone's decided that he's either lying and they heard this song, or he has a time machine. Whoa. <laughs> and knew that it was going to become a meme. And honestly, the comments on the YouTube video I watched of Robo, the Robo song, um, hilarious. Were People were saying that, you know, clearly, clearly he went back in time and found out this song was going to be a meme and made, and made it. I mean, that's the only explanation, right? Yeah, and this is where the term robo-rolled has now come from. Amazing. It's got its own little half-term. I like it. <laughs> so now, uh, if you just if you just like YouTube roller-rolled or just robo, I think it's just robo-song, you can up. listen to it and you nice. can hear. And it does, you'll hear that there is similarities there. And that's why this weird theory has begun. I'm going to do it. I'm going to find that song and just play it to myself. I stretched that story out longer than it needed to be (laughs) (laughs) to make up for my lack of facts. It was impressive, I've got to say. You managed to build a lot of suspense around that fact. (laughs) I was trying to make it seem exciting. What I'm going to say is maybe not the the payoff I was expecting. Time travel. Because the game is about time travel, so therefore he must have time travelled, right? He knows something that we don't. Yeah. If you're going to write a game about it, you have to know how to time travel. Write what you know, right? That's the rule. Yeah. I hope that he's laughing about this all these years later. (laughs) I like the idea that he did know and he's just cackling to himself. Just stupid gamers. They'll never know that it was all me. And I just love to rickroll. Or when someone actually eventually caught him out on it, inside his head he was just like, shit, shit, shit. Play it cool. I don't know this song. Yeah. Who's this... Richard <laughs> Astley? No, never heard of him. Nope. So anyway, Suspicious. that's my number three. You've all been robo-rolled. <laughs> I'm just going to move on to my number two. Yeah. My number two is Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I only spat on my wine. <laughs> I was, like, reading it. I was like, I can't not yell Mortal Kombat, right? Uh, I don't have that on my list, so... Amazing. So, number two, Mortal Kombat. Came out in 1992. 
and is still going today with the release of MK11 early in the year, which I think is pretty impressive. Side note, I have some icons in MK11 that I made. You can see them. Um, Wait, what? I made some icons for MK11. You made the game? Oh, yes. Sweet. Well, my company worked on the game. Uh, my name is not in the credits because I was literally helping out for a week <laughs> while they were busy and I made some icons, but my icons made it in. So That's right, there. you plug yourself, lady. You do it all you can. <laughs> None you of work my... on those icons. <laughs> None of my, like, cool games I'm allowed to talk about or are out yet. So that's my little plug for me. Um, the reason it's uh, on my list is violence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mostly, <laughs> mostly specifically about the debate that it sparked when it came out. So Mortal Kombat, probably not the first fighting game, I'm pretty sure that Street Fighter came before it, but Mortal mm. Kombat was the most violent, graphic violent game around at the time. Uh, and during the time when it came out, it he, caused a massive controversy that still kind of gets brought up in today's like violence. Obviously, there's still that conversation between violent video games and people doing violent actions and whether they're related whatever that is we won't get into it but the reason that Mortal Kombat was kind of paved that way was because the release of this game actually caused the introduction of the Entertainment Software Rating Board the ESRB which is now the system that you get uh, when you buy a game so if you if there's a game rated 18 that would be from the ESRB rating um, and you can't play it if you're under that and Mortal Kombat kicked that off by making a very, very violent video game. It also, I think, started off the Australian classification board because Australians have their own shit going on. Um, And I think it just kind of started a little bit of a revolution. Similar to Doom, um, after Mortal Kombat came out, people were trying to make clones of it and trying to make the most gory, blood-filled games that they could do. But I think it's safe to say that Mortal Kombat kind of still beat them you know it's the one you'd think about and even today like the new games are just as violent if not shockingly violent that you watch like you kind of watch them and cringe a little bit they're impressively violent yeah yeah it's just one of those games that's mostly the reason why i've mentioned it obviously it was it's still it's such a big franchise and it does influence fighting games and stuff and its own in its own way but obviously there are so many other fighting games that started things and do stuff differently that probably influenced the fighting tournaments and things like that a little bit more. But yeah, this one is literally just because it shaped how we rate video games and how you get a hold of video games. And I do think that there needed to be like a rating system because obviously like a small child of five should not be, I don't know, viewing someone's head get ripped off. Especially I was about now. to say, I'll, I'll never forget my first head rippage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially now when it looks so much more realistic than it did back then. Like, back then, again, like, obviously it was real and depicting stuff in, like, you know, in pixels. And all the pixel art that they had. And obviously it was all rotoscoped. Not rotoscoped, but yeah, it was, like, motion tracked and stuff in the first Mortal Kombat. Which is, you know, there are real people there. But now it just looks so much more, like, I don't know, real and visceral. I haven't really played the latest one, but I, I played the the first one a lot. Yeah. And I, I do remember that it was somewhat disturbing. But hey, like, we're fine, right? Yeah, we've never done anything weird. We're normal. <laughs> Believe us. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, yeah, you've played a lot. I played a lot probably back in the day. I haven't played it for a really long time, actually. I was talking about it and I was like, oh, this is a good one. And I've, I've, like, other than the more modern ones. But the original one I've not played in a really long time. Um, there were so many facts about this game. Like an inordinate amount of facts. Mostly because there's all sorts of things that comes with the game. It's a game that sparked a movie, which I'm pretty sure if you can spark a movie, then you should be an influential video game. Like Doom has one. Mortal Kombat has one. I think that's that's one of the things of you've made an impact if you've got your own movie. True. Whether yeah, it's true. crappy or not. Um, I know Van Damme is heavily involved in Mortal Kombat in some way. That was a fact I didn't bother to explain. So if you want to learn more about that, Google it yourself. <laughs> Mortal, Mortal Kombat was originally created by only four people in just ten months. Which is wow. an insane amount of time. But also, coming up with the name took six months just four months less than it took to make the entire game which was one of my facts that kind of trumped it i was like i found the first fact out about that it just took them 10 months by four people which is super impressive and then the fact that the name took six just trumped that effort i'm sorry guys it's just not impressive now you took six months to pick a name but i think more combat is a good name and it's a name that you want to yell so well done uh next fact Big Trouble in Little China was a prominent source of inspiration. Uh, two of the combat, Mortal Kombat characters sorry, were modelled after the villains in the game. Raiden took inspiration from the movie's assassin trio, the Three Storms. Um, Shang Tsung resembles Big Bag Soccer Lo Pan, played by James Hon. They said all of these were influences were like a homage to Big Trouble because of the premise of the movie and the game were kind of a mashup of mythological Eastern world and Western world uh, which I think is fair you know like Big Trouble in China is super like super about that kind of East, East meets West mythological kind of thing in a in a real world and I think Mortal Kombat kind of takes that quite well because it is really there's some weird stuff obviously with Raiden and all his weird thunder god powers and things but then also there's just them fighting on a street so you're like well you know rad um and my last and fact for this one is a fact specifically for you nikki one particular version of this game gives a shout out to phil collins nikki's favorite musical artist how the cheat code needed to allow the presence of blood and gore in the Sega Genesis Genesis variation of the game is A-B-A-C-A-B-B. This combination of letters is a reference to Abacab, the 1981 Mm. album of Phil Collins, Rock Bound Genesis. Amazing. Also happens to share its name with the gaming system. Genesis, Sega Genesis, Abcab, Abcab, all Phil Collins references. This fact was a bit like someone searching this grasping for straws to match up their love of phil collins and their love of mortal kombat but i was okay with it and i knew someone else who would be so i thought i'd share it that person is me and i'm happy with it yeah i appreciate this game much more than i already did it was in my honorable mention though so nice yeah i think just because of the fact that it really did shape you know video games and how they're rated now has to be mentioned and And fighting games like it's like one of the first ever really successful ones i say one of because we know it wasn't the first but it was one that i think really kind of sticks in everyone's minds yeah and even for the negative connotation of kind of starting up the whole controversy of 
violence in video games like that's an impact whether you like it or not like you know it's still influencing our world as we know it yeah um, i wanted to mention one thing about this game and that's yeah. one thing that i remember from the one of the, the original i remember i had it on mega drive and i always remember that whenever i did like a finisher there would always be like this one of like someone who made the game's face would pop up but i never knew why did they yell toasty yeah toasty. Uh, yes i remember this now yeah i think we might have spoken about this before you might have explained it to me but yeah, it was something to do with you could do a certain uh, set of moves and he would appear and say toasty and the guy that appears I think is one of the developers and I cannot remember the reason off the top of my head. Um, but I do remember activating him uh, Yes. for a while and it was hilarious. That's weird. That's like the one thing that sticks in my head, you know, it wasn't like the heads being ripped off and like, you know, the sheer violence of the game. It was just the toasty guy. Yeah. So that's what I remember. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. Even though it's a violent game, there are some funny things. And I think because that's something you were doing, playing with your games, you know, that's what you think of when you think of this game over the violence. You kind of just go, okay, there's some gore. Who cares? Back in the day, like, I just don't think that you really kind of picked up on it. Like, you know, I never remember my parents turning around and being like, hey, don't play that because it's violent as shit. Like, you know it's not real. Movies have things that are also incredibly violent and show also incredibly horrible things and you know I, I think as long as you're a sane person and you you have the capability to just not be like I'm gonna go do that then like it's fine like it's fiction it's not real but you know yeah. we're not gonna get into this right now no it's fair but I think yeah there is a thing to about being the right age to view stuff obviously because you know oh, yeah, sorry. we watch scary movies <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> when we've been too young and yeah. gone fuck that scarred me for a bit Sorry, I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm not condoning what happened to me. <laughs> Don't be yeah. me, kids. Nikki's been hardened to a lot of these things. There's me who it cannot make it look okay. at horror video games. And Nikki, it's who's just fine with my it. life. Yeah, it's okay. We... I'm totally normal. If you know me, you'll be like, yeah, she's fine. Yeah, she doesn't say weird <laughs> things ever. She's completely fine. But yeah, that, yeah. Um, that is my number two. What about you? My number two is a predictable one. I'd say. You'd say. But one that I just, I kept trying to get it off the list. I kept trying to pull it off like a parasite, but it just kept coming in. <laughs> and that is The Legend of Zelda. Oh, interesting. My one nope. true love. It's not in my list. The original, which was made in 1986. Oh, nice. You've I was got with the even conceived. Wow. That was before you were conceived. So. It's an action-adventure video game. I'd love to call it an RPG, but technically it doesn't fall within necessarily the genre. Yeah, I think that's fair. It was published by Nintendo and designed by Shigeru Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka, and it was the first of the Legend of Zelda series. Uh, It was originally released in Japan as a launch game for the family computer disk system peripheral in 1986. And yeah, as I said, it's not necessarily an RPG, but... It's considered a spiritual forerunner of the modern role-playing video game. The reason why I'm saying it's not necessarily an RPG is because it doesn't have the like key RPG mechanics of experience points. Experience my words. <laughs> it's just What's escaping happening me. to you today. I'm you, you today. Like my disease. Yeah, you really have. It doesn't have experience points, uh, and it has you know it doesn't have too many things in common with other RPGs at that time. But mm-hmm. I think the reason why I added it to my list was because. It served as a template for the action role-playing game genre, and I think it did amazing considering, like considering this, it was it was an action adventure game, and they did the they did the adventure so well, and the story was really good. 
and I just think I think it kind of laid the base work for other RPGs to follow, especially with like the fantasy setting and everything. And yeah, like to give sort of some overview, you control Link, obviously, because anyone that's likes games knows who Link is. He's not Zelda. He travels the overworld, which is basically a large outdoor map with various um, sort of environmental areas. Is like it's quite it's quite cool. I mean, obviously it's dated now, but yeah, um, I replayed it not too long ago. It's set in Hyrule, and you're basically the protagonist. You're aiming to collect eight fragments of the Triforce to rescue Princess Zelda from Ganon. The age-old story of Zelda. There's not really Damn much itself. more I can say about that. Uh, and there's obviously the dungeon aspect. So you have to get through all the dungeons, defeating all the enemies. Typical Zelda shit. Yeah. That classic Nothing... Zelda we've learned to love. Yeah. And I guess, as well, one of the reasons why it's influential is because, obviously, it's spanned all these other incredible Zelda games. And they're probably one of the most influential games there, there are, especially for Nintendo. Yeah. And... Yeah, I just, as I said, I just couldn't not put it in. It's it's seen as apparently one of the greatest video games of all time and most influential, blah, 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 blah. But I believe it deserves to be there. Yeah, I think I that it fair. did something different and laid good groundwork for not only its future games, but other games too. Nice. Yeah, have I would you ever agree played the original? You. I have, yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever completed the original, but I have played it in bits and bobs every so often. Um, I think... Because I've been also playing the new, well, the new one. It's the remaster of um, Link's Awakening. Um, and that's just interesting to see it. Although it's been kind of modernized and stuff, it's interesting to see the classic kind of pattern of Zelda. Because before that, I was playing Breath of the Wild, which is so different from Zelda, really, in terms of the pattern of yeah. go here, do this dungeon, collect the thing. Uh, you know, that it kind of formed its own little trope, I guess. Um, which I find really yeah. interesting. They've managed to carry that, like you said, through the span of games that they have, that they've managed to keep their formula uh, throughout all of them. But for me, I don't ever feel like, oh God, I have to do the same thing again. Like I do when I sometimes play things like Assassin's Creed, I feel like I'm just playing the same game again. I never feel like that with Zelda and I don't quite know how they do it. Yeah. Well, uh, a bit of the fact that I've got about Miyamoto was what he was talking about with this game, which I think kind of sort of shows to me or sums up the game anyway was that apparently he wanted to flesh out the idea of a game world by giving players like a miniature garden that they can put inside a drawer which is an adorable sentence uh, apparently he drew a lot of his inspiration from his experiences as a boy around Kyoto where he explored like fields woods caves um, and and things like that and I think he wanted to give people like a sense of wonder as he felt like from exploring and I think that is one of the reasons why I think it makes everybody feel like that. Yeah, so he says, when I was a child, he used to go hiking and he found a lake. And he said, apparently it was quite a surprise for him. I don't know why, maybe lakes were not like a big thing. Yeah. But uh, whatever. Um, Never seen a lake before. <laughs> I think it's probably just the way it's been translated. But um, he said that he would enjoy traveling around the country without a map, trying to find his way, stumbling on things as he went. And he, you know, I think he wanted to create that adventure in a game and i think he did it perfectly to be honest yeah and i, th- I yeah I, I just think he did a really good job to be honest like creating a little garden i think is adorable and i think that's why we enjoy it because yes yeah, some parts may be repetitive but you have your own little world and it really feels like a world yeah like you said even on the first one when really you could look at it and look how old or how minimal some of the screens and stuff are it still feels like a little garden 
or a little world that you're happy to explore quite a bit mm. yeah yeah so cool that's why it's my pick one. yeah i like it it's a good I do pick have some more facts oh of course you do obviously i would not be me if i didn't have these multitude of facts off you go so apparently the the name of zelda came from uh, f scott fitzgerald's wife um basically yeah so zelda fitzgerald which I just thought was cool. I just thought it was a nice fact, yeah, and it makes sense because I've never, I've never known, never known where the name came from, really. So yeah, it's an interesting one that that's where it came from, though. Like the yeah, an odd, odd link. Huh. Apparently, link. <laughs> sorry. Apparently, Miyamoto just said that he, yeah, he, uh, he heard the name and just said he liked it, and that was yeah. it. That it's is the name. fact. To be fair, if it wasn't so related in gaming now, I'd love that name. Yeah, oh, I know. But speaking of Link. So apparently early concepts of the game involved a lot of technical elements, including microchips for the Triforce made of electronical circuits and a time-travelling protagonist, which was basically one of the reasons why they think that Link came from, because it's like a Link, hyperlink, Link stuff. I mean, Link to the past is pretty obvious, but like, apparently it was like, yeah, hyperlink. So, Technology! That's a cool one. I mean, I'm glad they didn't go the tech route, but it's cool. Yeah, apparently it was going to be all, like, techy and machiny, Kind of like Chrono. Mm. Chrono Trigger. But yeah. Yeah. Very different. So that's the that's the basically origin of the names, pretty much. Which nice. I didn't mean to give so many facts about names, but... Oh, the only other thing I was going to say was that it's obviously where the sentence, it's dangerous to go alone, take this, comes from, which probably everyone knows, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Yeah. If you didn't know where the origin is from, it. that's... Oh man, and he gives you things. And we like it. Yeah. Or oh, more old men giving you things. That's what we want. Best old man in game. Oh, that would be a good top five. Top five old oh, men in games. That would be my favourite top five. We're doing that. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, Zelda's a really good mention. Again, because it's similar to things like Mario and stuff where he's spanned not just a stupid amount of games, but also a stupid amount of pop culture and stuff. Like he's had his own series and all that kind of thing. Best to forget the series, but he had it. Uh, there's mangas and stuff on him, all sorts. It's yeah. great. And that's that's my two. I like is it. That my two. I that's think a that's good my number two. two. Yeah, yeah. it was a very good number two. Thanks. In that case, uh, is it my number one? Yes. Oh, I'm excited to know what you've got for number one, because my number one is Pac-Man. Wow, that's not mine. Wow. Okay. I'm interested to know what yours are. Um, I've gone with Pac-Man because personally, when I think you think, when I think you think of classic (laughs) video game characters, Pac-Man might not be always the first guy that jumps to your head, but he will definitely be in that list somewhere. And I think people of quite a few generations will think of Pac-Man as one of the main gaming characters. It was released back in 1980. We were not around um, by Namco uh, and was on arcade machines. It then got put on things like Apple machines, Ataris, the Commodore. I think it went all the way up to the Game Boy originally. I'm pretty sure I had a version on my Xbox 360. It's just been on everything. You could probably play it on your phone now if you wanted to. Uh, if you haven't played it, then you've definitely loved Under a Rock and you've just never been on the internet. Um, there's a few reasons why I think it should be on this list. Um, one of my main reasons is the title character, Mr. Pac-Man, was the first original gaming master in games. It established the kind of want for characters in video games and the potential that you could have characters in video games. Even the villains were characters, which was kind, of, which was a new concept. Uh, I say kind of, and it, but it was. It was a new concept in Pac-Man before this. 
arcade machines tended to just be games like you think about you know all the kind of older ones before this um things like space invaders and stuff like that like centipede they were all kind of just a thing that you did it was just a game nobody had like a character and pac-man kind of introduced this and then when you think about the mascots that you have in games now like mario sonic link we were just talking about like all of those really big mascots for things just wouldn't exist he started it so i think that's a pretty cool thing to start up yeah it's cool yeah um, you go pac-man yeah i think he was also just such a big influence like as soon as he came out it was like a smash hit when it came out you had to queue around the block to like play on it it was just like the hot game in the arcade um and i think it's just as fun now as it was then if you had a you know arcade machine put in front of you when it had pac-man on you just play like everyone would just play the crap out of it um one of my like half facts for it as well was that it outsold star wars when it first came out as like popular media for the first year of its life and made one billion in quarters how oh wow so for the amount of people that wanted to play it and how popular the game was in its first year it made one billion quarters which is more than star wars made in its first year cool which is an insane fact uh but that's just kind of how big his span reached and obviously there's now things like mrs pac-man and lots of different versions of pac-man that you can get like just people playing on the system um and the kind of maze chase kind of game system it was new to pac-man and i think that's been taken and you know flipped around obviously we don't have that many games i could say that are similar now but i remember playing a lot of games in the 90s that were basically pac-man just with a couple of twists on it and stuff i mean yeah there's no denying its influence that's for sure yeah um this was my thing people cannot argue with me about this one I don't really have much else to say about it. I really enjoy Pac-Man. It's one of my favourite arcade games to play. Uh, Between that and Gauntlet, I will play those two for a while, if we have any of those. Um, I mean, yeah, you just, you know what you're getting with Pac-Man, you know? Yeah. You know to avoid those ghosts. Um, Yeah, I I guess there are just certain games that you can't not put in a list like this. I say that, we've definitely missed a lot, but... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I see where you're going, and I, I get it. Like, there's just there's so much, and there's so much that can have influence. And I think Pac-Man is definitely like one of the, the beginning. Yeah, I lot. think just for the character side of things, when I think about big games now, or games that are important to me, I think I'm quite character-based or you know mascot-based person when it comes to game. And knowing that he kind of started, even if I'm talking about things like Mario and stuff, knowing that he kind of came first just you know he just kind of puts the tick in the box um, brings a tear to your eye yeah i just get a bit emotional thinking about mr pac-man and his little thing steph has an unhealthy relationship with pac-man oh god <laughs> um moving on to my facts unless you want to talk about pac-man some more no but i think you do yeah i do i always do he another reason for him being super influential is at the height of the video game's popularity songwriters Buckner and Garcia released a song called Pac-Man Fever in 1982. I have not listened to this song yet, but I really want to, and I will post it on our Twitter, along with everything else that we've been talking about. But I'm pretty sure it was a number eight in the Billboard, like, 100 or something during its release. It was a big song. People loved it. So it wasn't just one of those stupid songs that, you know, you see people release on the internet now. It was a big deal. Another fact was uh, about pizza. Oh wait, no. That's not Pac-Man Fever, is it? 
That just sounds like Pac-Man. Wait. Yeah. This is Pac-Man fever. Oh my goodness. There's Keytars. I mean, it's very 80s. <gasps> the singing. It sounds a bit like Love Shack. This is the best song I've ever heard. Well, I've listened to that in great detail. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to ruin the audio. You're done. Did it sound okay? Did you enjoy that? I did. I appreciate it. I'll uh, debate how good that was <laughs> when I edit. Hey, don't don't come at me. Come at Pac-Man Fever. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Can I talk about pizza now? Sorry, go ahead. You like pizza. I like pizza. I, li- I like pizza. Everyone likes pizza. Well, now you've got another reason to like pizza. Um, in a recent interview in Time magazine... I say recent. I don't know how recent this interview was. Toru Iwatani, the game's creator, recalls taking a slice of pizza and noticing how the remaining pie looked like a character. And this is where the design of Pac-Man came from. Makes sense. Man looking at pizza. I I mean, I've many times pulled out a pizza slice from a pizza and gone, hey, it's Pac-Man. Yeah. Well, now you know it actually was Pac-Man. That is where he originated. We are eating Pac-Man. Oh, that makes me a little bit more sad. We are eating... Pac-Man's children. That's okay. Every pizza is Pac-Man. He's delicious. My last fact for Pac-Man is that he was originally called Puck-Man in Japan, uh, but this was later changed as vandals could too easily change the P to an F on an arcade machine, therefore rendering him Fuck-Man. I prefer Fuck-Man, to be honest. I mean, it, it kind of shows some attitude, you know? doesn't give a shit he's fuck man <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was gonna say something when i stop myself it would change the game to be honest he would no longer be in fruit he'd be doing something else oh my goodness well that's what a, that's what a fuck man does right yeah eating some bananas or two it's fine um fuck boy pac-man here doesn't know what he's doing you know what? That's the end of my number one. This this podcast is going wildly <laughs> off the rails already. It was just the fact that you chose to end with that fact that I think took us down a bad route. Just oh, Pac-Man I'm sorry. was gonna was gonna be called Fuck Man. What do you want me to do with that? I'm he gonna wasn't make a gonna joke. be called Puck Man. He was gonna be called Puck Man. <laughs> it just people knew that other people would be shit. Is what that fact is. That's true. It would have changed everything though because people would have been making jokes about it. Yeah. Like so. we just did. Like I just did, yes. Yeah. But it's fine because we're adults and we're not we're not gonna do that. No. We're not. Would you like me to go on to my number one? Yes, please. <laughs> Get off a of fuck man. <laughs> on to another fuck man. Fuck boy. Yeah. It's Mario. Which is... <laughs> <laughs> fuck boy Super Mario. Mario Bros. Oh, Super Mario Bros. Interesting. Yeah. I was interested whether you were gonna go for Donkey Kong, because I almost put Donkey Kong in. No. The original felt, game, by the way. I felt like Mario Mario was just a bit more of a important figure. Well, no, but what I mean is Donkey Kong the game with Mario in it as the original Mario. Oh, right. Yeah, nah. Nah. <laughs> Fine. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I went for Super Mario Bros. It's a platform video game developed and published by Nintendo. Uh, the successor to the 1983 arcade game Mario Bros, which I didn't actually know that it was an arcade game first, but we don't include that because, well, you just did an arcade game, but I'm not gonna. I'm going for the video game. 
It was first released in Japan in 1985. And a lot of people would say that Super Mario Bros. is definitely an important video game of our time. Uh, potentially, a lot of people have said it's the greatest video game of all time, which I've realised I've said for every single one of my <laughs> numbers. It was people... the greatest game of all time. Yeah, I think essentially what that shows is that people can't decide on what should be the greatest video game of all time. Everything is apparently the greatest video game yeah. of all time. But it was very successful, and it helped popularise side-scrolling platform games, which mm-hmm. is why it's in my list. Yeah. Because, yeah... I don't know if there was technically another size ground platform game at this point, but it was definitely the one which stood out and led the way for other side scrolling platform games, and it just did it really, really well. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure there were other ones, but it definitely wasn't until my boy Mario came out on the scene to save a princess from Bowser, some kind of weird turtle monster. And, uh, and yeah, that was kind of when that, that whole thing just started. And Mario's obviously one of the most familiar characters of the video game world, uh, along with Sonic. But for me, I, I loved this game, and I was addicted to this game from a very young age. And apparently a lot of other people were too, because it was one of the best-selling games of all time. Again, this is something that everyone seems to say, <laughs> but it did sell <laughs> more than 40 million physical copies yeah. at the time. And, yeah, it's credited as long as one of the key factors in apparently reviving the video game industry after the 1983 crash, which I had to look up because I didn't know that there was a video game crash. Did you? No, I didn't know there was a video game crash. I feel like I should, apparently but I didn't. 1983. It's fine, we weren't alive. Okay, good. Yeah, so it didn't, it didn't really bother us. By the time we were <laughs> in the world, video yeah. games were, were back on and everything was fine. But yeah, apparently it kind of revived the, the dull industry that there was video games at that point. And, and as I said, led the way for, for platform games. So to give some kind of background to Super Mario, which I'm assuming most people should know, is you and your brother, Luigi, is who apparently actually can be a second character, which I don't remember in this, but apparently you can do multiplayer. You race through Mushroom Kingdom and you face Bowser and then you save Princess Toadstool, which again, I'm weird because she was referred to as Princess Toadstool oh, back yeah, then and not Princess Peach. Toadstool. Makes me wonder if she related to Toad at that point. I'm not sure. I think she's always been related to Toad because I know I don't like either of mm. them. <laughs> but yeah, you basically just run on, you know, this, this... I'm trying to describe the game. You jump and you run. And oh, the yes. screen goes with you. <laughs> That's a good description of what happens in Mario. Good job. <laughs> Lots of other little things happen. Like there's boxes. You can jump on the boxes. You can become big. At one point you can also throw balls of fire around. I'm selling it. I'm really selling it. You are. I'm not going to talk too much about Mario because it's obvious. But yeah, it was just it was just so good. And even when you watch it today and play it today, you actually realise the mechanics of the game are actually just generally really functional. I think a lot of old games sometimes are really janky and you're just like, oh God, I'm going to die a hundred times. But actually it was quite good. Yeah. It was definitely, if you made a mistake, it was your own mistake. It wasn't yeah. anything to do with the game fucking up or just being, yeah. yeah. It was a good, fun game, and it's, in my opinion, one of the most influential, hence why it's on my list, and I feel like a lot of our side-scrolling platform games would not be the same without Mario. It could be someone else, but Mario was the one, he led it. Could be Waluigi. Could be. Could be Luigi, who, by the way, apparently his name is based on the Japanese word that means similar. Interesting. Because it's quite funny, really. That's literally, they were like, he's similar to Mario. 
but he's not. He's Luigi, so I'll just call him similar. <laughs> That's true. In Japanese, that would be really strange, but I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, because apparently it's based on the word, like, Ruigi or Ruigi oh, yeah. or Ruigi. Okay. That's my Japanese for you. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was quite funny because, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Luigi, but you are a bit of a sidekick. Yeah, he's just a bit of a stretched out Mario, really, isn't he? Yeah. Everyone knows. Um, and also another fact I've got is apparently Shigeru Miyamoto initially sketched Bowser as an ox. Oh, interesting. But his drawings were misinterpreted by an animator, Yoichi Katabi, as a turtle. <laughs> I kind of see now, because you think Bowser's face, he does look mm. a bit like, he has like cow face, but also turtly. <laughs> you just don't know how you just saw an ox and was like, turtle. <laughs> <laughs> that man does not know his animals. Yeah. But they then, at this point, was just like, that's cool. And then apparently they sketch a duo together. Sorry, the duo sketch together to mix the two. And that's how we know Bowser. How bad was that ox drawing? Must have been pretty bad, to be honest. I'm not insulting him. You're a great, I'm sure a great artist, but I don't know. Maybe it was a quick sketch. Yeah. And he was drunk on wine. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, we're not here to judge. Because we got Bowser out of it and that's fine. Yeah, we like Bowser. Um, my other fact, which is one of my favourite facts, is that apparently the backstory for Super Mario Bros. is that apparently everyone in the Mushroom Kingdom has been turned into blocks or Goombas by King Cooper. Uh, apparently, this means that the people that you're jumping on, or the Goombas that you're jumping on, are real people. Oh. They're killing people. That's sad. I liked yeah. fishing Goombas before, and now that's taken a dark turn. Someone said it's equivalent to Lord Voldemort turning everybody into some kind of, like, monster and then you having to come in and just kill them again. So, dark. Very, very dark. Man. It's depressed now. Yeah. Is that what you're ending on? No, no, no. Oh, good. Got another one. Oh, thank God. I've got a few, actually. Oh, surprise. This is my most facts, I realised. I think it's because I didn't have much to say about the actual game. But my other fact is another good one, which will bring us up a little bit from that fact, which is that apparently the use of mushrooms to change size was influenced by common Japanese folktales in which people wander into forests and eat magical mushrooms. Also resulted in the game being called Mushroom Kingdom, which I don't think is a folktale. I think people do that. I also think that's not a wise thing to advertise. This was like the 80s. Oh, yeah, fair. (laughs) But yeah, apparently. But it just made me laugh that it's a folktale. I'm like... I'm pretty sure people that's did just that. people getting high on mushrooms yeah but that apparently that's where it all comes from so really mario is based on on people walking into forests and eating mushrooms i mean getting high yeah to be fair now i'm thinking about it our top ones are a pill popping pac-man man and a mushroom eating widow so it's just two drugs a lot about the state of our world but... <laughs> or the state of the 80s either way this may have been a fact that you may have come up with a while ago, by the way, because I've got another one, but I'm not quite sure. But the fact is that apparently they had to come round to, when it came to making Mario's face, he was given a moustache in order to get around drawing his mouth. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Or if yeah. I did I, and I said it, I'm sorry, I forget things. And apparently the reason they gave him a hat was because it was almost impossible to portray hair. And they, he also wore dungarees so that they could like do his arm animations in a certain way. Or like not do. That makes sense. That's quite a wise little move there. 
I thought I'd end on that fact because I didn't want to end on the fact of taking mushrooms or killing people. Yeah, I think that's good. Good plan. Good plan. I did also find out about Peach's last name and about being Toadstool. Is it Toadstool? Yeah, Toadstool. Uh, to Peach, which was that apparently it was just something that happened when the game sort of came over from Japan to America and it just kind of eventually happened that they just sort of gave her the name Peach. I guess it because Toadstool's just not a very pretty surname yeah. yeah you don't want to be called mrs toadstool do you no i'm not sure where peach came from though like i don't i couldn't find out how exactly that arose but yeah other than it just sort just of developed alliteration doesn't really work yeah yeah but yeah that's that's my number one i think mario is incredibly influential and paved yeah. the way to a lot of games not just platform but just games in general and yeah and i've just given you some um interesting facts <laughs> you have you definitely about how the game is facts. slightly uh what's the word dark Yes. Mm. Very dark. But no, I think we had to have a Mario on there somewhere. I mean, he's just one of those faces, right? He's a bit iconic. Just a bit. You th- again, you think of, of video game characters. He's probably one of the first guys anyone will yell at you, even if they don't play video games. Bit more memorable than similar. Yeah, bit more memorable than similar. Nobody likes similar. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my number oh. one. That's our top five. That is our top five. I can't believe we we finally made it. Um, do Any you have mentions? I was gonna say I have quite a lot, so I'm just gonna run down the list really quickly. You go, girl. Um, on the theme of Mario, I've got Super Mario sixty four. I've also got Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. You've got to mention Sonic the Hedgehog in here. The Sims, League of Legends, World of Warcraft, Wolfenstein three D, Zork. Ping Pong and the original Mario game Donkey Kong. Nice. I don't know why Ping Pong made me laugh. I think it took me a moment to go, oh <laughs> yeah, that was a game. It's because I put it as Ping Pong and not just Pong. Pong, that, that's probably why. Yeah. yeah, Pong. But it's fine. Thanks. Do you want my list? Yes, go for it. Duck Hunt. Nice. Good game. Goldeneye. Unreal, like Unreal Tournament. Mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, Tetris. And Tekken, I was having more combat, but I took that off because you said it. Oh, and GTA as well. Nice. I think we've about covered all the things we should cover. If we yeah, haven't, I'm pretty sure that's all the games ever. Yeah. <laughs> it is hard to do this list. I have to admit. Took me I a think while. A, yeah. I think a lot of people were already like feeling sorry for us when we posted this on our Twitter. <laughs> Just like how? Why? <laughs> are we going to put that in a top five? Good luck. But we've done it. We've defied you. <laughs> And you're probably going to disagree with us, a lot of people, but it's fine, fine because it's our opinions and you can't take those away from us. <laughs> we like them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's our that's our episode. I think we've done it right. We can we can wrap that one up as a yeah as a successful one. I think that was good. I think it was a bit different, a little bit uh, a little bit different from what we normally do because it wasn't as opinion based, but it was still obviously ones that we picked. But yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. So we have a very exciting episode coming up soon, um, which will be coming out sort of end of the month, Halloween time, spooky time, with Dan from Real Life Ghost Stories podcast. Yeah. Uh, they're one of my favourite podcasts. Yeah. And we're going to be doing top five horror games, which I'm really excited for because horror games are my jam and it should be a really good episode. So definitely check that out when it happens. Yeah. I am not so excited for that episode, not because of Dan. I'm excited to have Dan on, but just because I have to think about horror video games, of which I am a massive 
wimp. Yeah, you better be playing them. You better be getting ready for this. I'm trying. It's, it's just a struggle. I think I should stream me playing one because it's just me having a heart attack for about an hour and then giving up. But if you don't follow us on it already, you can find out more on our Twitter at Game Till Five, um, or you can follow Nikki individually at What Nikki. Uh, Elite Cat. You can also follow us on Twitch, Game Till Five, and Elite Cat. We will be streaming a little bit less than we normally do, just because we're doing a lot more podcast stuff now, but find us on there and you can also follow me on instagram if you're feeling nice yeah so that's the end of our podcast so thank you for joining we are slightly intoxicated so we're gonna go to bed yeah good night steph good night nikki <laughs>